if it's water, food, air, flowers, or vaccines, something's gone tragically wrong. And right. tell me you're right. refusing to look at the one product we're injecting into our children over and over and over again has nothing to do with it. You better show me some science. And they're not. They refuse to do it. Okay, guys. Welcome back to the Grand America Show. Another bonus episode for you. Uh, this one, a little vaccine debate. You should enjoy Del Big Tree and George Padros. Uh, of course, Graham's not in this one. Graham, I'm not in the podcast. Unlock. Well, you were you really in it, or did you say anything in there? Did yes, you get a couple words in. I got a couple awesome. words That's in. Fantastic. I set it up. And you did I a great job networking the whole thing with some uh, Hep B. Oh, good comments. Yeah. I asked a Hep B question. Yeah, Del responded. George changes subject. But that's okay. I mean, I got me and George have been talking. George is great. Me and George got along great after. We've been messaging a little back and forth on Facebook. And uh, he says, I owe him a scotch. I said, that's No, fine. I think I think you've done a great job setting this whole thing up. And, and do well, I, mean, I mean, this is really what we should be doing a little bit more of is debating. I'd like to do one on climate change and vaccines. Like these are very polarizing topics. And it's important that we respect each other and can argue about it. Just like you did with the guy, those conspiracy guys, right? That's right. I got a little triggered, but I came back down. Um, but which which one? The conspiracy oh, guys. Yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it caught you off guard a little bit, actually. It did. I was I was a little floored when Gordo <laughs> was like, "I'm pro vaccine." I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> anyway, not um, that you're anti-vax because it's just you don't want to be labeled like that either. It's just you you want to debate it. You want to be able to talk about it. I want to be able to talk about it, and I mean, ultimately, I want to see some testing. Yeah, some safety testing. We're going to start poking all the kids with it. And, you know, I just don't appreciate the blanket. It's everything's okay. Did you guys bring up the uh, MMR push in the mainstream media? Who's actually funded by no, we, Big Pharma and the fact that it was uh, it, the expiry date it on. It did uh, come out. I mean, Dell did a special podcast on that. On that, really? Uh, I th- um, yeah, The Last Highwire. Go check The Last Highwire. Okay, yeah. But, uh, no, it's a great show. It went on for about an hour and a half, and I can't take I can't take all the credit. Uh, give a lot of credit to Jeffrey and Pat. Oh, for sure. Over at the Conspiracy Farm, friends of the show, great guys. Um, you know, they were eager to have Dell on, and uh, it was Pat's buddy who was willing to come and have a debate because it's nearly impossible to find someone to have a debate with. And I, you're finding this out afterwards for sure, right? Because you're trying to get more people in a debate and they're, they're just like, they don't even want well, to I had tried. I had tried a bit before. I've been trying to get uh, Hotez since he was on Rogan because I'd already talked to Dell and he was like, I'll debate anyone anytime. I'd love to. And he had, he had kind of mentioned that it's impossible to find people to debate. Um, so anyway, I, I, but, and I actually thought I was going to get Hotez for a bit because he liked it. He liked the tweet. And he retweeted the tweet, I think. And I was like, okay, maybe he's down, but now he's just gone silent. Yeah, he doesn't block me or anything. He just won't respond. And the other person, uh, they, they always say that they don't want to give any legitimacy to it by debate. That's funny. Eh? Which, I, I mean, mean it honestly, really, it's, it's just. Pretty, it's pretty disgusting, really. It, it's, it's pretty disgusting. If you can't come on and defend it. I mean, honestly, if you think it's, if you, if you should be able to, if you can come on and defend it to the point, if it's completely safe and effective, it should be not a problem. Yeah. You should be able to come on and floor people to the debate with all your information. Get ready for it. 
do it. I That's mean, what I mean about Rogan all the mentioned it on Hotez. Hotez should be. I just you just wrote a book on it. What's the problem? Do the debate. I mean, I'll tell you what Dell would probably do. Dell would probably let them line up three or four people so that the, you know if Hotez is this guy, and I mean, I'd have to talk to Dell about that, but I can't even find anyone willing to do it. So you can have you know. Because those people are a little more specialized, I guess, than whereas Dell's a research is a journalist, so he's looking at all aspects of it. Whereas, but I mean, I don't know. These that's, people are unequivocally pro-vaccine, and they just shout shout down everyone that says. But that's otherwise. the eerie thing is there's a couple mainstream narratives that are going on that aren't being allowed to get debated at all. They're being censored. They're not allowed. And to me, it, there's a there's an alarm going off there when you can't even discuss something. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a, a flag. When you're not allowed to discuss something, it's a flag. And this video got fucking fucked with. We put it on. We did the live stream. We had 16,000 some on live years. The thing exploded on Facebook. I've never seen anything like it. Not, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it happens all the time on Facebook, but it doesn't happen with our Facebook. You know, we, our Facebook presence is fairly mellow. We just started live streaming to Facebook a couple of weeks ago which has added some something, I guess, because before it was just post our old episodes, but then we did the live stream. I think that was our third or fourth live stream to Facebook. And it got shared, you know, a thousand times, 600, 700 times almost instantly. And before you knew it, there was thousands of people watching. There was 4,000 comments. Um, and as soon it was, as it was over, 10 minutes later, um, Dell and those guys went to share it and it was gone. And so I can still see it in our history. I can't access any of the comments anymore. It says that there's 3,700 comments or something. I can see the five of them, and that's all I can see. I can't access any of the other ones. If I try and play the video, it just plays for like three seconds and stops. Wow. And when I try to post it, it says there's an error. Wow. Yeah. And when Facebook emailed me back, they said it was because it was the wrong format. But it's the live stream that I did on Facebook, so I don't, I don't understand what the problem is. Anyway, I thought something happened fairly quickly into it where Facebook. Well, we have sound issues as well. We had some sound issues. No, Facebook couldn't hide it. I mean, we have the most live viewers that we've ever had on that video. Something like, I think the tally was 16.7 thousand viewers in an hour and a half. And now it can't. But what I did do is I downloaded the YouTube video and uploaded it to the Facebook page. And it's still up there. So I don't know, and it's been viewed 7,000 times or something like that, and it's still up there. But by by contrast, most of our Facebook videos get uh, one or 200 views, and our YouTube videos are usually, you know, somewhere between 500 and 2,000. And I think- Well, they're more than that. In the eventually, yeah, but eventually, yeah. um, <clears throat> the Facebook, I mean, the total Facebook tally right now is at 25,000 in like three days. And YouTube's- <clears throat> up there as well and you know the interesting thing was it was not much negative you go into twitter and you notice a lot of negative yeah, yeah. the youtube comments are overwhelmingly positive and the uh, facebook comments were overwhelmingly positive maybe it's a silent majority type thing you know people, i don't know if people, it's a silent majority or if it's, are, an, if it's an echo chamber thing where it's getting shared yeah, with that yeah, group only yeah, or, yeah. or what's going on but there's definitely you know i expected a lot more Hey, my friend uh, thinks that Facebook, remember when Facebook went down the other day, a couple of weeks yeah. ago, he thinks that all the people that were questioning vaccine safety uh, were kicked off Facebook, like their Facebook was down. 
And he seems to think that the people that are for vaccines, like that, or that don't engage in that topic mm-hmm. at all, Facebook was still up. He thinks conspiratorial that something they're testing an algo. Yeah. Huh. And his, ironically enough, his daughter was vaccine injured, and he thinks he was actually. Really? Yeah. A couple of people now that I'm finding out that I, that I know, experienced problems with vaccines. Yeah, I think it's more widespread than we think for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the expert. That's the problem is when I start talking to Twitter, everyone wants to debate me, and I'm just like, well, you're not going to be debating me. What are your connections? You could do it, probably. I'm you know podcaster. enough about it. I mean, honestly. You I'm not going to debate a pediatrician, though. You know, he's just going to call me an idiot. Well, no, then, then, then that show them that that's what that's what it boils down yeah, to. Yeah, I would have to be very prepared. Yeah, but you could do it. I You're could, very knowledgeable on it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd rather Dell did it. He's fucking insanely well, yeah. knowledgeable. Yeah, 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 and he's willing to. So and it's not like to. there's nobody on the side that wants to to talk about it. Well, it's not just Dell. There's Dell. There's uh, RFK. Willing to debate? I got a quote from Dell gave me a list of like six people from his side that'll do any debates anytime I can lie. Now, isn't that saying something? Yeah. I got a couple quotes for you from the book. Kind of relevant. Do I have to try and guess? You could. Whenever the science is settled, it is no longer science, it is religion. Where there is risk, there must be consent. You don't have to guess that. That was that was Rima Labo and that was a medical doctor. I would never guess that. You might know this lady. The sky is blue. The science is settled. Vaccines work. Who's that? Here's the here's the response. Roses are red, the sky is blue. You aren't the president because people don't trust you. Hillary Clinton? Yeah. <laughs> If this is how science operates, by silencing those who express opposing views, rather than by debating with them, then science is dead, and we are in a new era of the Inquisition. I'd say that's a rat. That's our upcoming guest, Graham Hancock. Is it? Yeah. Interesting. And here's one from RFK. There was no point in time from birth to approximately 16 to 18 months of age that infants were below the EPA guidelines for allowable mercury exposure. In fact, according to the models, blood and body burden levels of mercury peaked at six months of age at a shockingly high level of 120 nanograms per liter. Is that what that would be? Mm -hmm. To put this in perspective, the CDC classifies mercury poisoning as blood levels of mercury greater than 10 nanograms per liter. And that was RFK Jr. and uh, Lynn Redwood. Now they just switched over to aluminum, <clears throat> and they're doing 10, 20, 30, 50 times the FDA guidelines for ingesting, but we inject it and assume it's okay. Yeah. Anyway, you got anything else before we jump into it, support the show? No, I mean, we should talk about that. We've got to talk about supporting the show, because, you know, this. we're going to go down this road, you need some support, because... Uh, <clears throat> well, like you mentioned... The iTunes shadow ban, we talked to somebody. Uh, I had a meeting with our friend George today about about getting ready to self-host audio and stuff like that, being prepared. Because iTunes has, like, in the U.S. iTunes, which is interesting, and where this, this big problem is with the debate, doesn't seem to be happening in other areas as much because they're not, I don't think they're vaccinating quite as much. But our podcast did disappear off that. 
Oh, yeah, we got podcasts disappearing from the charts. We got videos disappearing from our feeds. We got, you know, it's 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 interesting. We had right we had after a PayPal Dell, right fiasco. after Dell was on our show, that happened. Yeah, and that's and we're not the only ones that have had that problem with. No, Cernovich said it's happened to two or three people he's heard of. Yeah, and then we've got uh, PayPal, you know, PayPal disappearing a few months back. It's you know maybe. I mean, knock on wood, ideally everything's hunky-dory and it's just a bunch of glitches, but just in case it's not, support now so that we can get the infrastructure in place to be prepared to keep doing all this shit if uh, in the face of uh, adversity. Yeah. Because I was talking to a buddy today that that can basically, you know, have us completely doing our own thing, but all that gets expensive, like. Expensive to the tune of more than we pay for rent and everything else that we're yeah. paying now. Which we're covering from your donations. Thank you. That's the yeah. only way we could do it. But there's no room for anything else. Yeah. So it's at the point now where if we get if anything happened, we don't have the infrastructure yet. The infrastructure needs to happen. So, I mean, it's an investment. So hopefully it's an investment you guys are willing to make. Because at the end of the day, it's your show. Grammarica.ca slash support. Uh, we are looking at doing a bunch more of these debate-style shows. It was fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. The response has been fantastic. Getting other suggestions for debates. Global, global warming, warming, like we talked about. There's a couple we could get into. Maybe we'll start doing a debate show a month or something like that. If that's something we can do, we can find people willing to do that. Maybe email Graham debate suggestions, debate persons up for debate, anything like that. Ideally, we'd want... Everyone that's, you know, fairly credentialed in some aspect, I guess. I don't know how we'll measure that, but the last thing I want to get is a just a bunch of noise on subjects. You know what I mean? I think when you guys listen to this, you'll get a good idea of what we're talking about when we say real debates. Anything else? No, just there's other ways. Like you can review the show, share the show, jump in our chats too. There's a chat. Grammarica.ca slash chats. All this stuff's in the show notes. If you haven't looked in the show notes yet, do it. Then do everything in the show notes. (coughs) Support the show. That's about it. Enjoy the debate. Uh, Who's in this? We got Pat Militech, Jeffrey Wilson, (coughs) uh, George Padros, Del Bigtree, and myself. Enjoy.
We have Del Bigtree. He is the producer of Vaxxed. Very, very incredible documentary, as well as an award-winning producer for the show The Doctors television program, um, as well as the host of The High Wire. You can check that out on YouTube. Mr. Del Bigtree is joining us today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. This is going to be... Uh... This is great. We're having a discussion, a very important and needed discussion in this uh, country, right? Absolutely. And I will throw it to my co-host, UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich, for the introduction of the other side. Well, yeah, thank you, Jeffrey. George Pardos, who's obviously been on our show before, a very intelligent guy, a guy that we respect a lot, obviously a retired Marine, a man who's signed his name on the dotted line for the government and served for the people. So... Also the host of Veteran Radio Syndicate. He's an Ohio State University graduate. Wrestled at the, the Ohio State University two years <laughs> at Forensic Study under Eric Lundman. 1995 grad of CID Special Operations at Fort McClellan, Alabama. 1994 graduate MP Investigation School. 1997 wrote for Yolanda Comedy, Bill Clinton's science advisor. 1999 master's program graduate public policy at Antioch University. Thesis was on vanity bills and implementation costs. From 2003 to 2006, assistant wrestling coach at Ohio State University. Sorry, George, the Ohio State University. Wrote a position paper for Barry Bonds on uh, his case on the testosterone levels and testing data in 2005. That worked on the project at Ohio State, focusing on data sets and exclusion classes for data. 2011 founded Tech Disposal and Recycling Company, specializing in hazardous material. And also... A is the host of Veteran Radio Syndicate on several different veteran-run programs. So, George, thank you for joining us. Dell, thank you for joining us. And, and we we are super excited to get this going. And, and just to, hey, free speech, to, to have two educated men on the subject talk about this to educate our listeners and educate the, the, the citizens of this country. Well, thank you for having me on, Pat. I, it's always a pleasure to discuss things with you. And and to, to Dell, I, I, I have to say this. I want to engage in a, an honest broker on the, the subject. And if we can do that today, I think my goal is to give you information. Um, and we're, we're and let me give you a background on what we're doing today. We're working on a project right now where we are testing uh, polyethylene and phthalates and the damage they're doing to mitochondria. Yeah, and and we're te and one of the things that you brought up and is that there there is a study abroad right now that when you mix polyethylene and and phthalates with any of the chlorine dioxides, um, you get some really adverse uh, adverse um, re results from the human body. And what we're trying to figure out is if we can figure out some applied compounds that will reverse that. The problem I have with some of these debates is um, they're not always they don't always have somebody that that brings on the science part of it. And that's what I would that's what I would like to interject today. So and that's basically where I you know some of the focuses that might be helpful. Sounds great. I'm pretty sure forward to that discussion, George. And I just want to say. You know, I know I'm labeled as an uh, anti-vax view, but I'm not anti-vaccine. I'm pro-science. I, you know, I've celebrated when I worked on the doctor's television show, I celebrated the best that medicine has to offer best scientists, guys like George that are doing amazing work to figure out how we're, you know, uh, poisoning ourselves, you know, toxic 
chemicals and plastics and everything around the world. This toxic load on the body is, is getting extreme from multiple directions. Uh, I think that I think of myself more as a as a consumer advocate and looking at, you know, are we doing everything we can to make these products that we use as safe as they can possibly be so that down the road we don't need a scientist saying, oh, my God, you've been harming yourselves. You know, let's see if we can reverse that. So I think these are all you know, it's a very important discussion. Um, I'm sure George is the science locked down. I'm going to discuss what I have found in my three-year investigation on what I believe is a lack of a lot of the important science that should be being done with vaccines. But absolutely. I mean, George, you kind of you qualified kind of your background and where you wanted to go with it tonight. And I guess, uh, Adele, you kind of a bit just did the same. Um, well, go ahead. Kind of explain what you, the thrust of you wanted to explain tonight. I'm trying to want to kind of sit back and kind of listen um, first question, I guess, is there any useful, like you just said, you're not completely anti-vaccine and that's kind of what I've always thought. I'm not necessarily actually anti-vaccines. Cause like I was talking to Pat earlier, introducing foreign substances to the body to make it create kind of a natural healing reaction. I guess there's nothing wrong with that. My thing is what's in these vaccines and how are they harvesting them from, you know, fetal aborted fetal tissue, to monkeys, to the adjuvants that they throw in there. It's, it's really what's inside is what I have a problem with. Yeah, I mean, I, so I think that, you know, one of the things that when we have this discussion, I think one of the things that I think about, and I just thought about this recently, is this is the only body of science in the entire world that is claiming the high ground, saying that the science is completely settled, meaning it's immaculate science. It's unquestionable. Anyone that debates it or questions it is crazy. They're a lunatic. They should be cut off of social media platforms. Their documentaries should be expunged. So to me, if that's the starting place we're at on this science, the only scientific body, I mean, I think George, I would hope, would be one of the first to admit that in May some, ask, you know, I, I, say it's settled, right? That's, that's like, that's one of the least scientific statements you can make. Let me ask you a question, because this is my issue with, with what you, your statement you just said, and Pat, help me out on this one. Who has said that the science is settled? I, I, I and, and honestly, because... I haven't heard that. That that is something that I, I have not heard in the community. I have said what I have said honestly is this, and I'll give you an example where I agree with you on certain aspects and certain things are just I think they're they're absent of the science part. Let me say the first part. Yeah. If you have if you're a parent out there, this is to the parents who are who don't want to get their child vaccinated. There's a thing out there called a titer test. You can go take a titer test. You can test your child for the vaccines and the antibodies that their system already possesses. Now, I, I'm going to say something to Pat. Pat is a, you're, you belong to a group of Croatians who, who are predominantly A positive with an RH1 negative uh, antibody. That is something common among, amongst Croatians. It's not anything, you know, it's, it's, it mimics the Greeks. So some of the vaccines that would help their antibodies are going to act reversely than to others. So my issue is this. If you're saying to me, hey, look, the science is settled, I have never heard this. What I have heard is that vaccines cause, they cause all sorts of diseases which they don't or they uh, um, maladies that they don't. But here's where, the, 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 where we can use science. Let's say this. You are you worried about your child? Okay, take the titer test. It's ninety nine dollars. 
you could test for which antibodies there are present in their system, which were passed down from the mom, which were, you know, are present today. And if you feel that you say, hey, listen, I'm willing to take the risk of not vaccinated because these antibodies are present, then that's fine. There, there's a there's a part science to it. There's a pathology to it. My my problem has been on the outliers, the people that are on the extremes who who say that, you know, vaccines cause, you know, Trump derangement syndrome or they cause, you know, or they cause SIDS or they cause any of this where it's not there's no pathology to back that up. Right. And that's what I'm worried about. That is what I'm worried about because well, let, let him respond to that. Let him respond to that, George. All right. So, to a couple of your points, first of all, many of the leading voices from the pharmaceutical side, Dr. Peter Hotez, uh, Dr. Paul Offert, um, uh, these guys do say the science is settled. They say that no one should be be questioning this. There should be no debate. We can't give a debate because that would legitimize a side that is totally irrelevant. Any question on vaccines. So that is stated by you know most doctors. And I think that many of the people watching right now would say, my doctor told me the science was settled that vaccines are safe and effective, period. Um, so I don't know who you're talking to. I'm not talking about general population. I'm talking about the thought leaders for the pharmaceutical side. That is the statement that they make. And it's the statement that you hear from Sanjay Gupta on CNN and other people like them saying, the science is settled, vaccines do not cause autism. You know, the vaccines are safe and effective. There's no reason to not vaccinate. Well, you just brought up a perfectly good reason to not use one of the vaccines. And that's if you have titers, that you've already got antibodies developed for that disease. But here's one of the things my nonprofit does. We also look at the legislation and the legal side of this. And George, I wish you were right. I wish checking your titers meant anything. But here in California, where they took our rights away, whether we can, you know, vaccinate or not vaccinate, or by the way, if my if, if someone in California simply skips a hepatitis B vaccine on the first day of life with their baby because they don't think a sexually transmitted disease like AIDS is a concern on the first day of life, or probably till the child is sexually active or getting to a place where they might share needles, they are unvaccinated. They cannot go to school in California. And it doesn't matter whether they show titers to measles or mumps or rubella, it's not allowed as part of the discussion. Titers do not weigh in. So these are some of the things that we point out. There are multiple states that have tried to pass laws saying we would love to have titer tests to if, you know, if we show antibodies, then we shouldn't have to get that vaccine. But the pharmaceutical lobby shoots that down every time. So, George, there's one place where if you would join me in reaching out and saying I, I, titer I, tests I, really are important, I would love that. And here, here's here's one of the, the problems that I have with this is that, look, nowhere, and, and I, I'm going to say this slowly, I am never going to defend the pharmaceutical companies because, let, and I will never do, I, I mean, I am not on the side of the pharmaceutical companies. I'm on the side of saying, hey, listen, if you show me the pathology, I will build you a data set. I will be on your side. I'm going to say, hey, listen, this is the inhibitor that is in this compound that has attached to, you know, um, to this cell and created apostasis. I will, you know, I will join it. But here, the the issue is is this: is that when people are saying a drug can do something it can't do, or is saying a, a drug can do something, it, it saying this drug will do this when it can't. It's like some of the people that say, well, you know what? If you just use jasmine 
and peppermint oil will cure cancer. That's the issues that I have, and that becomes a big problem. Now, the hepatitis B, I don't know the California law in and out, so I, I will have to study that. The, the problem with the hepatitis B is you have to protect the herd. And one of the things that's happening right now in downtown L.A., you have a typhoid outbreak, which in the history of, it's 2019, I had to check my calendar twice, and I'm like, it's 2019, and we have a typhoid break in America in 2019. That that's where the that is where the the craziness becomes. So I think that is the typhoid or hepatitis A. I know we had a no 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 a. the typhoid. I haven't seen that. I don't know what we're referring to. Can I interject uh, real quick? Can I interject real quick? And this is where we we run into problems with. And this is this is just a side note. But when you take a, a good portion of the outbreaks of measles and the typhoid and L.A. the L.A. County courthouse, they have to rip out all the carpet and put it all back in because of all the stuff that's going on down there. Um, when you overlay the outbreak map over Sanctuary City and Sanctuary State maps, a lot of this stuff coincides, George. And that's what worries me is that a lot of this stuff is being blamed on anti-vaxxers when in fact it's being brought in by by these illegal immigrants. And and I think to make a point too, if typhoid is actually the issue in California, we don't even use a, t a typhoid vaccine in America, so our vaccine program isn't really <clears throat> part of this discussion on typhoid. We also don't have malaria vaccines and things like that where there's issues in third world nations. I think the important thing is- Well, except, for the, Marine, except for the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is the most, and I'm gonna tell you, I've been to Somalia, um, they're going to vaccinate you for malaria. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, there's just no doubt. Um, one of the, the things that I would recommend to people, and this is a science part, um, there is a website called clinicaltrials.org. Yeah. And, and if you're familiar with them, um, go to that site and look up what people are doing with the clinical trials. Because one of the issues with those clinical trials is they have to state the premise in advance. And one of the the problems that I and to counter what Pat was saying, yeah, that sounds great about the immigrants, but there's a measles outbreak in um, in an Orthodox Jewish community in New York. There's a measles outbreak in the Amish community in Ohio. There's a measles outbreak in Disneyland. So it's not just. I, I mean, I don't know that uh, you know the guys coming across the border are taking their kids to Disney World. And here here's the issue: we as we have diseases evolving as we have diseases changing and looking different we need to at least upgrade now one of the things that you can that you can do it and you you brought this up when you spoke to congress about doing a double blind study well here here's the issue why not have a if you're if you're really worried about the vaccine and the problems it's causing have a chemical marker and then you can trace that to whether it's the hippocampus, whether it's the amygdala, whether it is the the frontal lobe, because basically one of the issues that you can do is you can study the pathology. Now, my my problem is when the people that are debating this do not understand what liposomes are, where they don't understand what microphages are, they don't understand what the mitochondrial DNA is. And they, they make these assumptions and they make these jumps. And all of a sudden, Brenda, who says, well, I did my research, I say, okay, what's a, what's a lymphatic system? I, and and that's, the, you know, that's the problem I have. And I'm, I'm sitting there saying, well, listen, 
you know, when a pattern emerges, a truth is revealed. And that's where I think that we ought to say to, to the public, hey, listen, we understand that there's a concern. There are people that get vaccines and all of a sudden they have stroke-like um, symptoms. No one wants that. No one wants to harm their kid. No, no one wants, I, I mean, I'm part Spartan and yeah, I mean, I, I might not have a problem throwing kids over the cliff, but at the same time, I mean, I know that people might get offended at that. So why not do some of these tests? All right. So I think, you know, obviously George is going to be able to take us really deep into the weeds of the science, which I think is awesome. And again, I'm passionate about it. I love it. And I, I look forward to doing that. I think for the people out there, George, let me lay out some of the issues that, that I have. They're, they're more pedestrian than that. And then maybe we can take the science deeper so people know where I'm coming from. All right. Number one, uh, the reason I'm here is I made a film called Vaxxed. Uh, I was working on the doctor's television show, and I discovered that there was a whistleblower inside of the CDC, Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that came forward and said they had committed scientific fraud on the MMR autism study that took place between 2000 and 2004. I investigated and looked into that. Uh, I looked at, there was 10,000 documents he provided saying that we basically, as you pointed out, you set up the study parameters ahead of time. That's how we make sure that fraud doesn't take place. They looked at 3,000 kids and it was a timing study. Did the children that got the vaccine on time between 12 and 18 months have higher rates of autism than those that had waited till after three years old? Now, everybody in the study was vaccinated. Nobody was unvaccinated. And what we was discovered in that was they looked specifically at African-American children where the numbers were really off the charts. Uh, African-American children were 2.56 times more likely to develop autism if they got the vaccine on time versus those that waited until after three years old. Then when they looked at boys, boys were even uh, more severe. And that goes with saying we know that boys suffer autism more than girls. And so when they looked at African-American boys, it went up to 3.56 times more likely uh, to have autism. And then they looked at the group that was coming out of England. The whole discussion in early 2000 was people were saying they were getting the MMR vaccine and their child was regressing into autism, losing the ability to walk and talk, ending up in diapers when they had gotten out of diapers, had perfect APGAR scores, and then suddenly were, you know, incapacitated. And that story was prevalent enough that our Congress asked the CDC to do this study. And so that group looked at a group called isolated autism, saying, if this is true, how would we see it in this epidemiology study? How are we going to see this regression to autism? So what they did is they grouped only the children that were perfectly healthy for the first year of life. When they looked at that group, it, Thompson tells us that the, the risk was seven to eight times more likely to develop autism if you got the vaccine between 12 and 18 months versus those that waited until after three years old. Well, as a result of that, he said behind closed doors, a study that was supposed to take six months ended up taking four years. He said we were behind closed doors. We were manip You know how this goes, George. You start changing the age groups. You start manipulating the groups you're looking at. See right. the bit of the effect, okay? And, and, and uh, let, me, let him finish let me, his point. Let him finish his okay. point. And so when that didn't work, then they literally cut the study body from the 3,000 down to about 17, 1,800 kids, kicked half the kids off the study, and they still had a slight effect, but then they said it wasn't statistically significant. That's scientific fraud, 
any way you cut it. And the only way to get around that story is someone has got to call these five scientists in front of the Congress because this is a government agency that did it. So that's what started my journey was you had half the kids being kicked off of a study, manipulation of data, and then he tells us they dragged a garbage can in the middle of the room and asked them to all destroy their hard drives and all of their paperwork. So this is the type of thing, and, and look, you, you know from Veterans Affairs, I've done lots of stories on Veterans Affairs, on, you know, on how we handled them medically when I was working on, the, on Dr. Phil and the doctors. Our government tends to you know, cover up their, their inconsistencies and mistakes. And that's what you got to do is take a look at the June Water study. Right. That, that, but here, here's one of the, what, okay, just okay. In, in the future, when you're talking about a reduction in numbers, it's called second level exponential smoothing. Okay. So it, it, when you're talking about data, there's a data set, a data set starts here, goes to a subset, and then it goes, if you take just a string across it, it's called second level exponential smoothing. Just it, it, this is what the actual math term is called. One of the problems with it is that I read the Thompson CDC files. In one of the, the groups that he pointed out, there was 547, um, and I have it right there on my desktop. It's it's there was 547 kids that he tested. The problem was that there was no baseline test given prior to some of the people on on the the group that he tested for. So the the issue is. One of the other <clears throat> problems with this is the is there's a guy by the name of um, Paul Shuttered um, who's doing the what, what he basically said is when you have what's called uh, AST uh, autism spectrum disorder when you expand that number then you include more people and especially when it's called ment you know it's the uh, uh, what do you call it? The the um, the intellectual autism. Not not. There's an intellectual autism. There's a physical autism. So you can have people that are intellectually slow but physically correct, and then physically correct, and you know that you can have what's called you know like the idiot savants. So those are two different those are two different markers. And I think the problem was when people went to recreate it, um, we don't know what it looked like prior to that. And the and so one of the problems that we that that you know that the people that are looking at vaxxed have said is Andrew Wakefield has been disavowed by his community. He lost his license. He you know he he cannot produce the pathology, which is what everybody's asking for. Show me the show me the marker. Where where exactly did it did the compound in the vaccine attack the brain? Are you telling me that you know? Is it, you know, first of all, it was the aluminum in, you know, that the, the people came out with and said um, that it was thimerosal. And then when you took the thimerosal out, autism rates didn't go down. So that correlation was dubious. And so, I, I have a question for you, George, real quick in that vein. So in the increase of the amount of vaccines that we have from like the 80s and the 90s till now, is, is there no science behind the increase of those schedules, any correlation with the increase of epilepsy and respiratory illnesses, et cetera, et cetera. No, 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 no. Auto, uh, uh, hold, hold on, you've got to slow down. There's a couple. There's an increase in some, and there's a decrease in others. So, which one are you asking for? Because the respiratory ones, we've had, um, for example, peanut allergies have increased over, since 1980. Um, what now we don't know why that is. They maybe part of it is that our diet is changing. 
Um, we're not eating some of the same foods that we're using. We're using, you know, certain compounds or to tie foods together. For example, um, corn syrup and hydrolyzed oil combined together is the second worst compound that you can introduce to the human system, bar none. There's no, there's only one thing worse than that. So part of it is that, yes, we have kids that are basically being born with cellular memory from their mom and dad, and that is one of the reasons behind it. And, and we do have a, de, a, a depleted DNA to begin with. So it's not just one thing. So like there's, the, a, there's an epigenetic component to this. Yeah, and then that is one of the that is one of the the reasons why we are having issues with certain diseases, and especially there's a more prevalence in people that are allergic to milk. Now, me and Pat are a few years apart. Um, think about this: when we were in high school, did you know anybody that had a peanut allergy? Did Nobody. you know any? Did you know anybody that had a milk allergy? Uh, um, I did not. You know, did you know anybody that had some of the allergies that we have today? And, you know, the the problem is, yes, we have to do studies. And the easiest way to, to do this is if you create the markers where you can look at where the compounds are entering the system and give me the markers afterwards. Because I'll give you a prime example, Dale, and this is towards something you said. The, the WHO has shown that the, that the consumption of polyethylene um, acetyl being burned mimics the same symptoms as autism in grown men. And guess where that's happening? In Akragana, where they're burning plastics to recover heavy precious metal, and in Pakistan, where they're doing the same thing. So they're having what is uh, basically, you know, indu you know, upper respiratory tract infections, and they're mimicking, you know, the grown adults are acting as children because of these of these toxins. <clears throat> so the the question is how do we get to the pathogens how do we look at the at the science behind it and say hey look this is the marker this is what we need to be worried about All right that's, i yeah. think that look that that's that's exactly what um, I've been trying to get the CDC and Health and Human Services to do. That's what Bobby Kennedy's out there. We are saying we need to do the science. And what we're being told is the science doesn't need to be done because it's settled. We already have, you know, we've done all the science that's necessary. I want to I correct a couple of things because there's been some storylines conflated and, and put together. Uh, Vax is about Dr. William Thompson, a scientist at the CDC. Yes, Andy Wakefield's in the beginning of that. He's also the director of the film, but his science is not what is being discussed in Vax. The whole issue around the Lancet paper, which he did lose his license over, and we could go into an entire one-hour discussion about that. I would just reference everybody to look at uh, the exoneration of Professor John Walker Smith, which was the other scientist that Andy was working with who lost his license. He fought it for several years and just got it back. And the judge essentially said that the, the handling of this by the General Medical Council is an abomination of law, that, that there was no reason these people should have lost their license because the entire reason they lost it was on, based on ethics 
And the whole idea was that they didn't get ethical review for the uh, the, the 12 uh, children they were working with. They said, the General Medical Council said they didn't get ethical review for the spinal taps and the colonoscopies they were doing because it was medical research instead of being clinical investigation. Well, John Walker Smith proved that I was doing clinical investigation. Here's the difference for people. If I'm doing a spinal tap on someone to heal them particularly, that's clinical investigation. If it's medical research and I'm doing a spinal tap just to study this person, but I'm never gonna help them, I'm only gonna look at the greater body of people, then I do need ethical uh, consideration and I need ethical approval. The judge said that clearly John Walker Smith, who was the treating physician on the Lancet study, continued to treat those kids for years after that study. Therefore, it was always clinical investigation. There was no malpractice. Therefore, he got his license back. If he got his license back, why doesn't Andy have his license back? And why are we arguing whether or not this was true? And by the way, the findings by Andy Wakefield have been repeated multiple times, most recently by UC Davis, which is now putting out multiple articles on the fact that the gut biome and gut health is affecting not only autism behaviors, but also schizophrenia and other um, um, uh, behavior issues. And so what we're seeing is there's a direct connection to the uh, intestinal health and your brain health and your psychology. So what Andy Wakefield was pointing out over a decade ago is one of the hottest, fastest moving parts of science we know, which is they're even now saying that the gut represents your second brain in your body. That's how important it is. I also want to go back to the fact that what you said you know, about uh, aluminum and thimerosal, the MMR vaccine has neither aluminum or thimerosal in it. So those are separate arguments from the MMR argument. The MMR is a live virus vaccine. Aluminum will kill that, those live viruses, and so will mercury. So I just wanna make sure that we're not sort of mixing and matching issues together. So the MMR vaccine, I think the most interesting science around how would the MMR vaccine uh, be leading to autism is done, being done by one of the top stem cell therapists in the world, stem cell scientist named uh, Dr. Teresa Deicher. Now her work, she's been injecting MMR vaccine into petri dishes of cells and then ultimately stem cells. And what she's finding is that the aborted fetal cell lines that we're growing the rubella on, the MMR vaccine is measles, mumps, rubella. The rubella portion is what changed in 1978. Uh, Dr. Stanley Plotkin said, I've got a new rubella that's being grown on aborted fetal cell lines. Well, when they put those into the vaccine, they cannot detach the DNA. And so what they decided is they were gonna chop it into a bunch of pieces and create uh, DNA fragments that somehow they'll be safer. The, there was, again, I could tell you how many times there's assumptions around the science and how they should do it instead of actually doing studies to see if it would be dangerous or not. They just thought, you know what? Whole strands of DNA could be very dangerous. Let's chop it into little pieces. Well, Dr. Teresa Dice is now showing in her studies that that was a, a, a huge mistake because those little fragmented pieces can be taken up by a cell and then it joins, it, basically it mutates its own DNA code in the cell. Not a problem if it's just any old cell because we have millions of them in our body. But what her study is showing is for some reason, the stem cells are coming out and grabbing that floating fragment and it's mutating the stem cells of children, which can lead to, in her case, many of the studies are showing it could be leading to this massive increase we're seeing in, in, in childhood leukemia. Um, 
it's very, very compelling. And if you look at the science now, we've been waiting for stem cell therapy to come along for a very long time. And this is what I do. I'm not a scientist, but I look at the worlds and how they come together. There's a reason we're not really getting advancements in stem cell therapy, and nobody can go down to a stem cell therapy center and have stem cells, in, I mean, a DNA therapy being injected in where they're going to, like, fix a, a, a genetic uh, code problem by inserting uh, a, an outside DNA code. The reason is they can't get it to land in the right spot. And if it doesn't land in the right spot, I'm sure you know this, George, if it lands somewhere else, what they get is a replicating cell problem, which leads to cancer almost every time. Yeah, you get a, a, you get a hexagon or a tetrahedron cell that uh, that has be that it that b builds the receptors exactly here, so but now so why is it okay hold on, let so, him finish that real quick george then you can the respond you're making you're you're right here with me george so here's what Teresa Dysha said. She says, I'm, I'm one of the top stem cell therapists in the world and scientists. She's talked to DNA scientists and said, what would happen if we just injected free-floating you know, DNA fragments into children? They said, that'd be catastrophic. I mean, you wouldn't do that. She said, what if I told you we're doing that in two of the vaccines in our program, the varicella vaccine and the MMR vaccine? And they said, that'd be, no, that cannot possibly be true. But it is, George. They never did any safety studies on this. They've never compared a group that got these vaccines to a saline group. And so all of these rises in autoimmune problems, we've got floating DNA from dead babies cut into little fragments floating around the body in injections. And anybody that works with stem cells would tell you that's stupid. Well, here's the, here's the, the reason why. And, and, that, and there is part of that is, let, let me tell you, you know, actual in 19, in the early 60s, we had 12 million cases of rubella. That it was an outbreak. So the, the problem is that rubella is one of those diseases that in 2004 said it was eradicated. Now, the, I, the vaccine itself for rubella, I don't know that it's using replicant cells from dead babies. It is. I, I, you, can take, you can look it up after this is over, but okay. I'm sitting here. I'm a journalist. I say it all the time for the last three years. Uh, I've been challenging Health and Human Services. They admit it. It's written on the insert of the vaccine itself human diploid cells. So it is. So let's just go ahead with this. Yeah, but is it non-recumbent? Hold on. Is it non-recumbent DNA? Or is it, and because that that's a, that is a, that is a big difference in it. Because if you're talking about DNA, there, there's a big issue than saying it's dead baby cells, because that sounds really evil. The problem is you, rubella is one of those diseases like diphtheria, they wiped out a, a large class of people. And if you're saying, hey, how can we make this vaccine safer? Um, we had a hundred, we had thousands of deaths. In 1921, there was a diphtheria outbreak. It killed 21,000 people in the US. In 1964-65, we had 12 million cases of, of rubella that did a lot of damage to the people. Now, here, here's let me let me give you miscorrect something, George. Rubella actually is one of the most trivial diseases there is. It doesn't kill people, but I will give you what it did do. Where rubella was a problem is if you were pregnant and you got rubella. That was the first. That was where we first thought was causing autism and schizophrenia. So you didn't want to get rubella when you were pregnant. Other than that, it's nowhere near as as uh, effective or, or dangerous as mumps or measles, and I think those are trivial. But rubella is extremely trivial unless you are pregnant. I just want to make that correction. Well, we came up with the vaccine for pregnant women specifically to protect the fetus. 
Let, let me tell you this, and and I, I'm going to stay, you know, I'm going to keep this, you know, where Big Pharma has some answering to do. Right now, there's a drug out there called Zofran. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Um, if you want to look this up, it's Z-O-F-R-E-N. Now, when it's given, there's a class action lawsuit because in that drug um, it has caused birth defects. And what is done, it's it's given bilateral kidneys to people. It is get you know you know there are children that have been born without a femur, without a radius, and it is and so is big pharma complicit in it? Sure, it is. But I I think that when you're talking about um, certain I, certain aspects, it sounds deadlier than it is. I mean, when you you know when smallpox first came out, what you know the original smallpox, they were taking the spores off the cow and rubbing it into the skin of the people. That's how the first one yeah. was, you know, and that's how the first smallpox vaccine began. So my question is, when you're sitting here talking about the 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 DNA, have they done a pathology test where they could mark the DNA? From the the rubella virus, because if you're if you're saying it's non-recumbent or it's a liposome, is that where's the marker test? So and again, again, George, they had they are so far away from doing the study that you're talking about. I'm simply talking about when they. So here's what we've looked at with my nonprofit. How did these things get approved and how are we saying they're safe and effective, okay? That's all I've invested, I mean, all I've investigated for three years is how are they saying that vaccines are safe? Forget efficacy. I won't even really argue with you about efficacy. I think, let me just be clear. I think the measles vaccine for the most part protects you from measles for a period of time. Not for your entire life like getting the disease would do. That's perfect immunity. That's the that's the Ferrari of immunity. But an MMR vaccine will protect you about 10 years for most people. So you're gonna have to keep getting that vaccine over and over again if you want. So I'm not gonna argue with on efficacy, except for when it comes to mumps. We're seeing mumps outbreaks now in fully vaccinated communities all over the country. And same thing with whooping cough, and that's a different discussion we can get into later. But let's talk about how these got approved, George. You want biomarkers and things. I would love to just see them have started out by deciding safety using the gold standard of safety, which is a double-blind placebo study that I'm gonna assume Zofran went through. I'm gonna assume that Zofran, like most drugs we take, had one group got the drug and one group got a sugar pill if it was a pill. I'm not sure if this is an injectable or a pill, or they get a, a pill injection. And we follow them for like five to 10 years, these two groups, and we see who has higher rates of cancer, who has who are born with birth defects, who ends up having autoimmune disease. Well, here's what we have discovered, and this is part of it is because I was in a meeting with Bobby Kennedy set up by Donald Trump at the National Institute of Health across from the, the absolute heads of our vaccine program, Tony Fauci, head of infectious disease, Francis Collins, head of the NIH, and so forth. And what we said to them is, we can't find a placebo study 
that you approved the vaccines for for safety. And and so if that's the case, and we said we've searched clinicaltrials.gov. We have combed it, George. We can't find it. We've combed every manufacturer website. We've read every single study that every trial they said they did, and not a single one of them ever just compared against a group that we're getting a placebo to say what were the health. Well, and, and, I, and I will tell you that the ADA, the American Medical Association, has said that that's unethical. You cannot. Here, here's the issue with that. That that problem. This is why you need the pathology behind it. You can't expose a one-year-old baby in, in a placebo effect to malaria because that's what you're going to have to do. You, you know, and it's the same thing. Not true. You're talking about an efficacy study. I'm talking about safety. Efficacy would put them in front of the disease to see if it worked. We're just saying, does this vaccine hurt you or not? You don't have to come in contact with the disease at all. Let me just correct that. In order to do a safety study on a vaccine, you don't have to put them in, you know, in a room full of measles or anything like that. You just need to run them through their regular day life for a couple of years, hopefully three or four, because that's how long it takes to develop an autoimmune disease most of the time or something like autism. They don't do it. But you are right. They do say it's unethical, so I'll let you finish. But I want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about a safety study, not an efficacy study. If we're doing an efficacy study using a placebo, yes, you'd have to put them in a room with rubella or put them in a room with measles to see if the vaccine actually stopped it. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying, does this vaccine safe to put in your body? That doesn't need you to put you in contact with the actual disease. And that's where and that's where I think that the pathology and, and here here's what the, the people that are arguing and saying about the pathology. If you if you said this is the compound that's in there, okay, we can do tests and we can do tests on 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 cells. We can do laboratory tests as long as as long as you come to the table with a, a, a let's let's say this that you come to the table in full faith that you come to the table and you're not sitting there going, um, you know, you're not a dishonest broker in, in the conversation. You know, you're not saying, um, I don't know whatever you're saying, but if you come to the table and say, hey, listen, this is the pathogen. These are the exact compounds. We can replicate them. We can inject mice with them. We could do um, there, there's a drug, and hold on, I need to pull this up because it, I'm gonna, I want to pronounce it correctly. There's a drug um, out there that it's called um, fluoroliposome Dio. Now, it, when you inject it into mice, it, 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 it lets you test drugs on it. Okay. Now, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. It, it's you can test it on the cells. You can taste it. Look, you can test it locally. You could do a, a, a you know macro or a micro study with it, um, and here's the thing: you can inject them and say, "Hey, listen, this is the pathology that we found." Because here's here's the issue that I have as somebody that does data science and is working on this. I want to see exactly where the markers are. Are you saying to me, like for example, if we've had Marines that have had methylcholine, methylenquine? injected to them for malaria. They've developed some really adverse reactions to it. So why not have a marker for those people that might be prone to it? And I agree, and, and yeah. honest I, I mean I want to hire you to be the head of the CDC. Can I just say that 
You are this is exactly my argument. They aren't doing the simply. You are you're pointing out how simple it would be to start doing studies to show that vaccines are or not causing these issues. One of the things that we keep hearing, including from Bernadine Healy, that ran the National Institute of Health, when she came out saying, I couldn't believe how little science we had done looking at do vaccines cause autism. The reason being that the culture in America and inside of our health institutions is they are so afraid that if they find a, a group, even no matter how small, that are being affected in a negative way by a vaccine, that that news will cause all of America to stop vaccinating. They are so concerned with that that they've stopped doing all studies altogether, investigating the very things we're pointing out. You would say, look at my military guys, some of these guys are getting really sick. That's what we're saying. Some of these children are getting really sick immediately after a vaccine. Seizures the night they get the vaccine. Massive fevers. Three days of lethargy. And then they start slurring their words and they can't speak. They start, you know, uh, losing the ability to walk. I have videos of kids falling down, falling over three days after their vaccine. All these are, George, are signals. What we're supposed to do is go and investigate these signals and do studies like you're talking about. Then why haven't, my question is, my question on that is, is simple. You have a child with a, you have a child, and, and I've seen the videos and they're heartbreaking. And, and yeah. honestly, I have, a, you know, I have a family member with autism. My question is this, why aren't they pulling the pathology? Why aren't they taking a blood test from this child? Exactly what? right, George. Why aren't they? This is what I keep proving in my investigations. I'm telling you that our health agencies, <clears throat> CDC, the National Institute of Health and the Health and Human Services are so corrupted now by the industry that they are a revolving door. The, the head of the CDC at the time of the MMR study, which Vaxxed is all about, where they threw kids out of the study, she went on to be the head of Merck's vaccine department for a $2.5 million salary and uh, I'm told nearly $100 million in stock bonuses. If we don't stop this revolving door and if we don't stop our addiction to the idea that vaccines are perfect, they cannot be challenged. We can't do any of the studies you're talking about. You're absolutely right. One of the laws we're trying to pass, George, comes to SIDS. I've talked to too many parents whose babies die the day after they get a vaccine or the night of the vaccine. The first thing the doctor says is the vaccine didn't cause it. Well, then you go and try, and then if you have a parent, many times it's nurses that this happens to. In fact, um, uh, an MMA fighter. Right, but the SIDS, I, but the, the MMA fighter and SIDS, there's two, there's two things on it. Yeah. SIDS, it, it, prior to the 1990s, and and and, I, and this is the issue that I have. One of the, the problems I have is that when, you know, like I, I've argued with Pat because there's two arguments to this. One is that it's body autonomy and the government isn't going to tell me what to do. And that's a valid argument. But part of the, the 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 pushback on some of the vaccines is there are things that are associated with vaccines that have no correlation. It's there are dubious correlation. Like the more um, Nicolas Cage movies come out, the more people die in bathtubs. So SIDS. <laughs> All right. Um, and, and this is true. Maybe people are like, hey, you know what? We don't need to see Bangkok dangerous. Let me just drown myself. <laughs> so one of the problems with SIDS is that when we, we one of the things that happens with SIDS, and this is the, the is the frontal lobe, and what is what the hip, hippocampus does, it, it it doesn't work. They're not fully developed, and that's why most SIDS cases, which are down about thirty five hundred a year, um, they once we started putting babies on their back, 
they wound up sitting, you know, they, the SIDS cases went down. And a lot of people with SIDS, um, it, and it's cross-culturally, this is the issue with SIDS. There are places all over the world, even when they don't give vaccines, kids die of SIDS. Well, what they've said is, listen, put your kid, baby on the back. It doesn't push, it does not put any pressure on C4, C5, or, or C3. And then as a result, you have better blood flow. Guess what? They put babies on their back and SIDS cases went down. Now, part of the problem is that we don't know what causes SIDS to begin with. We have a, a we have a, a, a hypothesis. We don't know what causes autism. We have a hypothesis. And so the problem, the problem, George, every hypothesis excludes the one thing the most amount of eyewitnesses point to, and that's the vaccines. I have no problem. We should be looking at multiple areas, but not since 2004 has our government funded any research looking at do vaccines cause autism? Do vaccines cause SIDS? And I, I, have a, I have a question that kind of correlates to that. Well, how much would, with, with Congress passing legislation, and this kind of goes back to what you were saying, Dell, about the whole system being tainted, Congress passing laws saying that you can't, you can't sue any of these companies. Right. How much more information could we find out if these things could be taken into court? Exactly. What are your well, thoughts on that? that you know, laws? Not, to, not to mention that, to elaborate also on top of that, of what vaccines have actually had studies done on them yeah. for autism connections? One. One. Which one, one is that? One vaccine. The MMR vaccine has been through studies. Does it cause autism? Where there's actually autistic children in the study, only one vaccine, and they keep doing that study over and over and over again in different sort of, you know. No, because the Frying Adams, hold on, the Frying Adams case the 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 Fryn Adams study is is studied that there's numerous ones that have that have studied the vaccines and autism. The problem is no no, that no, no, no no you just said vaccines plural and autism. That's not true. Never been studied. I can officially say that only MMR, only MMR studies. We have never done a study vaccines. We've never done a study on hepatitis B and autism, on DTaP vaccine and autism, on hepatitis. No, but you a did the mouse study on 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 the the hepatitis B. What? Where they, they did the mouse study on the LN1 the L1 uh, where they injected the 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 mice with L1 and none of them none of them went adversely or mimicked those same characteristics. So I I'm asking where did I think a simple, you know, here's where it needs to start, George, and this is all we call for. You can't keep doing MMR says the, the most recent one came out of uh, Denmark just recently. Denmark, correct? Right. So Denmark, just last month. Essentially what it did was it said, we proved the MMR vaccine doesn't cause autism. And what we did was we found all the kids, and by the way, Denmark does, gets, I think, 26 total vaccines. We get 72. They don't get a hepatitis B vaccine on day one. So why we even use their information as though it is, can relate to America, I have no idea. But we do. This is the study being held up. And here's how they do it. They say, we took all the kids that had every vaccine in the program except MMR, and then compared them to everybody that had every vaccine vaccine plus MMR, and we found that the rate of injury in autism was similar. They said there was a slight uptick in the amount of autism in the group that got the MMR vaccine, but it was statistically insignificant. This is how they keep doing this study. They're not comparing it to no vaccines or somebody that has a perfectly clear body. And to your point about the plastics earlier and the burning plastics and people showing autism-like features, let's get into what autism actually is being described as by the professor 
professionals that work with them. It appears that autism is children who cannot detoxify as fast as other healthy children. They hold toxic metals and chemicals in their body longer. They can't methylate is what they say. And so there's, they're looking at different genes on why that may be possible. And maybe this is you know, the beginning of where we're going to find that select group that are being injured. But so it doesn't matter that there's one vaccine, if it's aluminum, mercury, potentially it's all the things you're talking about. It's phthalates along with the fact that you're getting an aluminum shot and that's just pushing you over the top. Your brain swells and you have a problem. So I'm not saying that any singular vaccine is the only cause of autism. I'm not saying that vaccines are the only cause of autism. What I'm saying is the CDC website says vaccines, plural, do not cause autism. And they have only done an an epidemiology study looking at one vaccine, the MMR. So it's a fraud to say vaccines. They could say MMR doesn't cause autism. And then I would point to Dr. William Thompson that says the most important study we point to is the fraudulent study I did. Yeah, but they had on on that website, hold on, on the same CDC website, which is the project that we're working on, has said that air pollu- there's a, a, a direct correlation on air pollutants and autism rates. So, they, they, by the way, they have not said anything of the sort. They haven't said there's the direct. They're saying they're starting to say we believe there may be environmental fact, you know, you know, factions or issues, factors involved in this. They are not, they have not made the statement that they know that there's a direct pollution cause. I'll tell you why. Because they're still trying to convince everybody that you're, it's happening in utero. You were born this way. Autism starts from the beginning. The most famous book out right now is by Dr. Peter Hotez. His book is called, what's her name? Whatever. His daughter's name was not caused uh, by vaccines did not cause my daughter's autism, essentially. And he claims that it happens in utero. So what you just said, I agree with. I think the pollution and outside factions, environmental issues are causing autism. And there are studies that you can point to that would prove that. A study out of Duke University took the cord blood of children that were autistic. Now, their parents, when they were born, had kept the cord blood. And now, once they were three or four years old, they've been diagnosed with autism. And they did a study saying, let's inject their own cord blood back into them so that they get the stem cells they were born with. And you know what they saw? Incredible increases in health. The the mannerisms went away in many. It was really promising. Here's the problem with that study. They just proved those kids were not born with autism. Because if you took stem cells and cord blood from a child with Down syndrome, an issue you are born with, the error is already in the stem cell. Injecting them with their own stem cells would do nothing. So if injecting an autistic child with their own stem cells, you're proving there's an environmental impact. No no one has, let me ask you this, because this is I, we've agreed on this one. Yes. Who is saying that there's not an environmental? CDC, HHS, NIH, everybody keeps saying it's all DNA. They're only now starting to say there may be an environmental component, but they aren't pointing to anything, and they're trying to study you know, gene, uh, the entire uh, genome project to see can we prove you're born with this. They want to prove we're born with this, and every study around the world is saying not. And by the way, There are studies I'd like to send you when this is over being done all around the world, uh, injecting the amount of aluminum in our vaccine program. And we are seeing autism-like features in mice, in sheep, 
in, in monkeys. So the animal studies are being done only in America. We don't allow any of those studies to be read by the public. They will not give them any credibility. And Dr. Paul Offit, once again, one of the leading voices will say, there's animal studies cannot point out what happens in human beings. And, and you know that that's the best we can do if we can't put. Well, here, I'll give you. Can, can I address that for a second? Yeah, please. And I want you to write this down because this is something that's important. There's a, a, a drug called clodronate liposome. OK, now this is a, a, a compound that is given to mice for testing. OK, and one of the problems that, that I guess I have that, you know, we've and let me tell you this. One of the things that we did in our test, we um, we used a, a polyethylene with acetyl and chlorine, uh, chlorine dioxide, and we burned it, okay? Those fumes, when we exposed mice to that, okay, they, it, it, it damaged their cells. Like, you know, and, and we used, and our study used adult mice. We didn't use, you know, we used fully developed mice. Their cells were damaged. Now, some of them, um, we some of the the cells became basically sickle cell. Some of them became um, um, hedragons, and all the receptors were. Some of the receptors were damaged. Now, what we've come to our thesis, or what our what our hypothesis is, that once you burn plastic, once you burn plastic, any of the petroleum based compounds, whether it's BP, um, whether it's ABS, ABSFR, uh, PSAFR, any of them, and you you burn it with a dioxide, whether it's sulfur dioxide or chlorine dioxide, the adverse reactions on a on a cell system are very harmful. Now, we have tested some compounds, and what we're doing is we're, we're putting it, we, we met with a congressman from Minnesota that we're going to put a, a, a funding package together to say, hey, listen, these are these are 17 applied compounds that have worked. We'd like to be able to have more testing and basically say, listen, the DNA and maybe some of the damage is done, these compounds would help repair it. Because one of the things that's happening, what autism is, is basically you you have a developmental deficiency in the human body that 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 so maybe we could find a way to 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 fix this there's some other things that could fix okay. and my my question is to you and and this is where i is why aren't these tests being done by somewhere i mean this is a simple test that you know look I, I'm not a well. I am a genius, but um, or a genius. <laughs> and honestly, I can. But I'm saying, why aren't we taking some of these tests and running them with with some of the, th the the other compounds? Because if you tell me the the chemical compound, I can build you a data set. I could build you the subsets. I can say, okay, this is a marker. This is the way it 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 acts in the hippocampus. This is the way it, it acts in the amygdala. This is what it does. Because if you take, for example, um, dexamethadone, which is any of the heroin, you can market exactly what the receptors are going to do. Right. Why, is, why isn't this being done? Let me answer that. 
Can I answer that, George? Because you're absolutely right, and this is the heart of the work I'm trying to do. I'm simply, as I said at the top of this, I'm a consumer advocate. I know there are scientists out there just like you that are fully capable of getting to answers we are told there are no answers for. And here is why it is not being done. Let me, I'll, I'll try and give you the, 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 the scenario and the issue we have. Number one, if you did what you just said, George goes out and, and you decide to create a biomarker, you track it and you find, oh my God, it is true, the hippocampus is swelling when it comes in, when aluminum gets in there and the IL-6 the you know uh, ends up being uh, released to the brain is creating an encephalopathy event, which may or may not result in autism at the end of it, but the brain swelling is the real problem. I proved it. Tomorrow, when you publish that study, George, it will say anti-vaxxer working at this university should be fired immediately for questioning vaccines. It's just happened to Dr. Christopher Exley. He's the most recent uh, person that's under attack. This guy is the one that dissected 100 human brains. He's, he's one of the top aluminum specialists in the world, and he looked at Alzheimer's brains. And what he discovered a few years ago was the highest levels of aluminum ever recorded in human brains. You know, a, a looking at all the other science, he said there's no doubt that aluminum is contributing to what we know as Alzheimer's. Well, over the years, people kept saying, do the same study with autism. Do the same study with autism. He's like, I'm not, you know, why would I get involved in that? It's too controversial. But enough people said, he said, OK. So last year, he got five brains of autistic people, including a 15-year-old child. And he went and did the thorough examination he did on Alzheimer's brains. Nobody had a problem with that. But as soon as he did it and said, you know what? Every single one of these five brains had higher rates, levels of aluminum than the entire Alzheimer's group. In fact, the 15-year-old kid had more aluminum. There was a difference, though. The difference was the aluminum was around the outsides of the cells in the brain of the Alzheimer's patients, but in the autism, it was in the glia. It was in, as you know, it was that, that macrophage. So it was an intercellular, he had, wait a second. That's right. And in Alzheimer's, they had intracellular aluminum, in but it- Autism, intracellular. No, 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 hold on. I, oh. I want to, I, I just want to clarify that your statement. In Alzheimer's, they had intracellular aluminum. In autism, they had intercellular aluminum? Correct. Correct. And where was this study done? It's done out of Keele University in England, and he published it, and now he's under attack. They haven't withdrawn his paper. They haven't proved anything's wrong because he's one of the best scientists in the world. And if you look it up yesterday, it was an article, what was it, out of the Daily Mail, or, or I'm looking <clears throat> at my staff over there. And they've, they've even shut down his PayPal account so that he can't self-fund future studies looking at aluminum vaccines. This type of attack upon scientists that are simply asking important questions has got to stop. And this is why the, it's so dangerous. The pharmaceutical industry has so much power. They're the number one lobby outspending oil and gas in America by two to one. And they're affecting our health agencies. Let me get deeper into the problem, though, because it's a conflict of interest that you could never even dream up in your worst nightmare. As we pointed out, in 1986, there were so many injuries from vaccines that they said, we are losing the ability to make a profit. That was the statement by the industry, okay? This was not a great product. This product was so failed that they couldn't make money. And they said to Ronald Reagan, if America wants vaccines, you are gonna have to protect us from liability because we aren't gonna make them anymore. They essentially blackmailed Ronald Reagan. He hated the idea. He thought it was stupid to take liability away from this industry, but we did. 
And in doing so, here's how it works. We took all liability away from the industry, from the doctors, from the hospitals, from the Walgreens, wherever you get that vaccine, you can't sue anybody. So unlike Zofran or whatever you were talking about, Zofran, I can't find out what the problems are. I can't get your internal documents. I can't see your trials because we're not allowed to go near it. It's totally protected. Super dangerous, right? But here's what happened. When we took the, the liability away from the industry, we put Health and Human Services in charge. For people watching this for the first time, Health and Human Services is the mother of your health department. They oversee CDC, FDA, HRSA, and NIH. So that's your overseeing health department. So when you sue for a vaccine injury, you're suing the Secretary of Health and Human Services. You are suing the government of the United States, and you have to prove you've been injured or your child's been injured. Guess who their lawyers are? The Department of Justice lawyers are going to fight you and tell you you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Now, in almost every other circumstance, the Department of Justice is designed to fight for consumers against industry to make sure that we are not being injured by industries that are egregious. In this situation, our government is fighting for the industry against the, the people themselves. Now, here's what's really messed up. You can't use, there is no disclosure. You cannot use, there's no precedence. You can't use anyone else's case in your case, and you have to prove causation. Now, George, you might be able to do that as a scientist, but your average person just simply witnessed with their own eyes what they saw. My child regressed into autism or died the day after a vaccine. Here's the problem. You have to produce the science to prove that the vaccine has been causally linked to the issue you're talking about. Guess who is supposed to do that science? Health and Human Services. So the very health department that you are suing right now is supposed to be handing you the evidence to beat them in court. This is like a murder case where the murderer is doing all of the forensics. It's really, really scary. Now think about the fact that your government has funded this program, said that vaccines are great and they are forcing it essentially on every child in America using coercion. You cannot go to school. You cannot have certain things. You can't go to your school. Right now in New York City, they're saying that, that, that the Jewish school should not allow any of their unvaccinated kids into that school, period, or they'll shut down the school. We're talking coercion like we've never seen. So or in Arizona where the children were taken. Right. I was going to ask you about, yeah. Yeah, but that's a that's an outlier. I, I, it's an outlier. I, I'm not going to talk about like the yeah. team busting in for a kid with fever. But here's the point. If the government is behind a product that strongly, think about if they were forcing the burning of plastic in every home and you were doing the science you were trying to do, do you think we would be hearing about it? Do you see the, the level of oppression that can happen upon any scientist questioning this? This is what's happening. This is why my movie, this is why Adam Schiff just said, pull Vax off of Amazon. Shut down anybody pointing out the things that Dell's pointing out on Facebook because our government is fully entrenched with the vaccine makers. In fact, CDC, now, so, so now you have the court system, you have the defending, the defenders of the court system are the ones supposed to be providing the science you're requesting right now. And now look at the CDC. The CDC's primary function and why they were put together and, and developed was to promote vaccine uptake around the country. Why? To, to, to end infectious disease. Perfectly noble cause, I have no problem with that. But the CDC is who has been put in charge of doing the safety studies once again. 
So now when you talk to William Thompson and you see what he said, he said, we had a major conflict of interest. We saw that the MMR vaccine looked like it was causally connected to the autism we were seeing. And we were worried that if we told the public that there might be a small group of people being affected by this, we would go against our primary objective of promoting vaccines. It gets worse. They buy $5 billion worth of vaccines every year and distribute them. The Congress gives them the funds to do that. If they don't distribute all their vaccines, they don't get their money back for the next year. So they're also a marketing arm for the pharmaceutical industry. And now NIH and CDC scientists are owning patents in things like the HPV vaccine. So the scientists that are also supposed to be doing your safety studies are now receiving money by the sale of vaccines. This is why the science Jeez. isn't being done, George. And, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll make the point clear. I can show you some stats. But in 2011, the Institute of Medicine, okay, this is our, uh, this is our body of the smartest scientists in the world are Nobel laureate prize winners. They do not work for the government. So every once in a while, the CDC will reach out and say, will you investigate for something for us outside of our government agency? Well, multiple years, 94, 96, 2004, 2011, they would ask about vaccine injury. And every time there's this growing number of injuries that are being reported. And so in 2011, they said, here are 155 of the most common injuries being reported. Things like Guillain-Barre syndrome, paralysis. Uh, yeah, but that's a, the Guillain-Barre syndrome. That's an outlier. And, and I'm going to and, and hold on for a second, because let me just address okay, go that. Ahead, go ahead. I've been talking for a while. Go ahead. Um, there is that is a one in a million. That is a, a one in a million um, syndrome. And but there's a test for that. You can test for that. Why Why are you giving a vaccine? And here, here's the argument that I have, because if if you have that that syndrome, why are you giving a vaccine to that without being tested first? Because nobody wants to spend money to test people before they get vaccines, period. Full stop. HPV has the same problem. They knew that the HPV vaccine, if you're already HPV positive, will increase your risk of cervical cancer. Multiple studies inside their own program showed that. Do they test for HPV before they give it to your teenage girl, your teenage boy? No. They don't care. They, it's all about selling vaccines. This thing is really, really problematic. So let me finish my point. Of the 155 commonly reported injuries, the Institute of Medicine looked into it, and what they found was four of the injuries, there was science to prove that the vaccines caused it. No, actually, it was about six. And then four of them, the science existed to prove that the vaccines didn't cause it. But 134 of the 155 injuries, no science existed anywhere in the world. They didn't look into it. And every time the Institute of Medicine looks into this, they rebuke the CDC saying, you've got to do more studies. We are giving these vaccines to innocent children. And this is this injury list is growing and growing. And you aren't investigating it. Many of the things in 2011 were complained about in 96 and 94 and still no studies. To the point, the main problem that was the main vaccine that caused us to write the 1986 Compensation Act, which took liability away from the industry, was the DPT, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis vaccine. And our Congress, in writing that law, said, we want you to immediately investigate diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis vaccines and see why it's causing the problems that it is. We ended up changing that vaccine to DTaP. We went with acellular 
pertussis, but they never actually did a study looking at DTP and autism, and autism was one of the questions. To this date, to this date, George, they have never done a study looking at DTaP vaccine. Does it cause autism? And in that 2011 report, the IOM has asked exactly that question. There are multiple, many, many, many people reporting that their child regressed into autism right after a diphtheria, tetanus, and acellular pertussis vaccine. And is it possible it's being caused by, you know what the Institute of Medicine said? They said, we can neither confirm nor deny the causal relationship because no science has been done looking at the DTaP vaccine. When you go to the CDC website and it says vaccines do not cause autism, you know what they cite as their proof? That 2011 study that only looked at DTaP and said no studies exist, we can neither confirm nor deny. How did that turn into a positive? All vaccines have been proven to not cause autism. This is the problem. Can we, and, and one of the problems with that, I, I, I will say this, and, and this is part of the, I, I guess, part of the consternation in this debate. I think that when you start using the word autism, and, and this, is the, this is the issue that I have, which in the debates, I think you have to say ASD, autism spectrum disorder. And because if you say, because if you take a look at what Zimmerman wrote, you know, can we, let's just. Let's get into Zimmerman, great. You know, if you talk about what Zimmerman wrote, he said in this, um, I I can't remember, Michael Sinello was, I think that's the way you. Michelle Cedillo, Michelle. So just really quickly. Andrew Zimmerman, before we get into for people that are out there, uh, Dr. Andrew Zimmerman was the state's witness in that vaccine court I was describing where you're suing the Secretary of Health and Human Services. There was 5,000 cases in court, all parents claiming autism was caused by a vaccine. Those cases up until that point were paying out between three and five million dollars a piece. So all of a sudden the government took on this huge liability and they had a problem because it looked like the cost of autism alone could reach billions, perhaps trillions of dollars in damages. And so what they decided was we're gonna look at five of the 5,000 cases, we're gonna select five or six cases and how we rule on those cases will decide the fate of the 5,000. Dr. Andrew Zimmerman was brought in as the state's witness for the Department of Justice. He's one of the top neurologists and autism specialists in the world. And so in the very first case of the five, Michelle Cedillo, he said, there is no mechanism by which a vaccine can cause autism. And that was his official statement. So now that we're up to speed, go ahead, George. So one of the things that that I read through that case and I read through Zimmerman's notes and I read some of the pathology, one of the, the problems that I think it, it, that goes on about the vaccines causing autism, one of the, is that we're using autism as a blanket statement. If we, if we quantify that and said, hey, listen, let's use the ASD, it's autism spectrum disorder, wind the funnel and not say that it is straight autism. Because if you're telling me, look, there are some markers that happen when you give um, certain vaccines to certain people. They they act, you know, um, like, for example, there's a, a study that was done in the EU, okay? And I, that one of the, one of the issues was a certain type of blood that when it was AB negative responded adversely to certain compounds. Now, this is the, the, I mean, um, I can pull it up, but it, it says that some of your, your phenotypes and genotypes of, of because where O is a, a where 
you have O positive, A positive, some can be universal receptors, other can be universal givers. Some of the, the, the pathogens in those blood systems actually react adversely based on your blood type. George, so you're making my point. Vaccine why are we, hold on. It's all product we give every single kid. I, I agree with you. Blood type, we don't care about your methylation ability. You're gonna get the same 72 vaccines as everybody else. That's what I'm complaining about. I'm not trying to eradicate the vaccine program. I'm saying we've gotta be smarter about this because of all the things you're pointing out. The human body is buried in so many different, miraculous, wonderful ways. How is it we can inject every single kid, whether it's a preemie that's two months early is getting the same hepatitis B vaccine that, that a kid that- Why aren't we doing the test? I, I'm asking, why aren't we doing the test? If this is so important to the parents, and, and, and honestly, because the, anti, the let's say the anti-vaxxer, the, the problem I have with the anti-vaxxer group, and it's not all of them, it's 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 Brenda and the essential oils group. Let me let me just put that out there, who basically says, oh, I did my research. Well, wait a second, Brenda. I'm the guy doing the research and I'm telling you, no, this isn't this isn't possible. If you don't know the lymphatic system, if you don't know how um you know apoptosis works, if you don't tell what you know nuclear vascularization of a cell work, then it's the people that say CBD oil cures cancer. No, it nothing cures cancer. You either you stop and you have what's called signal transducer STI drugs, which are signal transducers inhibitors, and say, hey, this is what works. Why aren't we taking the test? It's 99. I mean, why aren't we saying to the parents, say, listen, let's, you know, start with the start with the pediatricians and say, hey, this is a simple test. We could administer it. If you're that worried about it, take the test, look at the antibodies. Pull a mark, you know, look at the markers. These are your levels. Why aren't we doing it? Well, number one, there's a couple reasons. First of all, why do a test if vaccines are perfectly safe and effective like I was taught all the way through med school? That's what most of your pediatricians believe, that not a single injury they see is being caused by the vaccines. None of it's caused by vaccines. So therefore, why would I waste the time doing the test? Secondly, we haven't done the studies to isolate what would be the proteins or what would be the methylation issues or the genes that we would be trying to find markers for, all science that needs to be done. But frankly, we need to start at the simplest study known to man. We need to see if there's a signal because we're being told there is no signal. But what I'm telling you is they are avoiding, as I pointed out, my point with the Institute of Medicine is if you have 155 common injuries of a product, by the way, let's let's take it back. You admitted they don't do safety studies against the placebo because that would be considered unethical. So right there, our entire health department just admitted that every child in the vaccine program is a part of an experiment. Yes, an experiment. If you don't know if it's safe and you're giving it to every child because that's the more ethical thing to do, then we have an experiment going on in our population. So while that experiment is going on, what data are we collecting to see how injuries are happening or what might be a susceptible group? And what we're finding is none. If 155 common injuries are being reported, those are your signals. Those are the people out in the population saying, this isn't working for my kid. My kid had seizures. My kid had a heart attack. My kid died. My kid stopped walking. My kid stopped talking. My kid suddenly was covered in eczema over their entire body. My kid got diabetes, and we don't have any history of diabetes anywhere in my family. All of these things are being reported, and our, our health departments refuse to do studies looking into it because I believe if you listen to how they say it, they say there are no studies that prove that causal connection. 
They're avoiding doing the study so they can keep saying that to you. They don't want to know the truth. Our entire science is as ostrich sticking their heads in the sand approach. Let's just keep assuming safety. Then there's a really great video out there of Dr. Stanley Plotkin, who's the living godfather of our vaccine program. He's made more vaccines than any human being alive. He's on the board of virtually every single vaccine maker in the world. And he decided to testify last year on behalf of a kid whose father wanted to vaccinate him and the mother didn't want to vaccinate. And so he was on the stand for nine hours and a really brilliant lawyer asked all the important questions that you would be asking him too. And number one, when you ask him things like, you tell people that DTaP vaccine does not cause autism. How do you do that when the Institute of Medicine says there's no way the science has not been done? And he said, where there is a lack of science, I assume safety. And that is the motto. That is why this is a religion more than it's science, George. The entire Paul, system but Paul Offit, assumptions. And, and let me, can I mention something about Paul Offit when sure. you? Yeah, yeah, okay. go ahead. And I have one more question there. We're running out of time. But yeah, respond to that quick, George. And then, uh, and then I've got one more for you guys before we wrap up. In 1955, there was a thing called the Cutter Incident. And Paul Offit, and... For those that are not familiar with it, it was a, a polio vaccine given in 1955 that proved to be ineffective. Now, the, the that caused a, a, a huge. Um, it, it was it was defective, um, and there was paralysis. There was um, the, it, it had to be abandoned. Now, um, it was the vaccine. It was manufactured by uh, Cutter Laboratories that caused it for had caused 40,000 cases of polio and it killed 10. So the that the idea that he, the idea that all vaccines work all together is exactly I agree with that. I I I am not against it. Um it's just like penicillin there are people that are penicillin resistant, they're allergic to penicillin, there are people that are allergic, I, I personally am allergic to erythromycin. Right. So I'm saying to you that as oh, a concern you're a scientist, man, this is common sense. I'm so happy to hear you say that because I'm so tired of staring at doctors and journalists telling me nobody is ever injured by a vaccine. Come on, that's that's So why don't we take So my final question is why can't we put a group together, nonpartisan? Because all of us, look, I mean, if there's five people on the show right now, and all of us have argued about numerous things, if, if we can come to consensus and say, listen, why don't we put a partisan group together, bring it in front of the legislation and say, listen, these are the tests we want to run. They're scientifically based. It's not Brenda and her essential oils in Oregon. Um, you know, it, it, it's... It, because that's my issue. I, I want I want the outliers not talking. I, I want the the people that have to walk around with plant with plants every day because they're stealing oxygen to go away. But if, if we're going to sit there and say, hey, listen, let's br bring a group together, nonpartisan, and say, look, these are the tests we can give to the kids. These are because if autism rates are climbing, we're all paying for it. Right. I mean, all of all can of I, us were vaxxed, and I all five of us, yeah. Because there's like a 50-50 chance that like I'm going to get kicked off YouTube just for hosting this, let alone let alone trying to do that. And I mean, I'm half joking, but not really. I mean, we've had Dell on a couple times and our, our reward was getting shadow banned in the iTunes store. So we know we no longer show up on any of the trending lists because because we address the vaccine. How's the, the beer doing it? 
And I mean, that's a real, that, that's like, I'm half joking, but that's an honest, I mean, no, there's, for a, sure. there's a thousand people I... watching on my Facebook page right now. And that's, uh, that's a legitimate concern that tomorrow, you know, I might have a couple strikes against me. George, well, that's good George. when we have this kind of redundancy going. And I didn't mention the word vaccine in our advertisement of this, but I mean, obviously, you know, we, these guys, both of you guys have delivered what everyone was really looking for information because a lot of times it's, it's about what science do you trust? You know, one peer review can be contradicted by another one. So we got, you guys are almost like agreeing on a lot of things because well, like agreeing. George is saying, the pathology is so important. I'm sorry. We're, go ahead, Del. We're agreeing to the most important part. George and I, maybe think, may, we may see we're coming from different perspectives, but it's a scientific perspective. George is absolutely right. All we want to do is put together a body of scientists, have both sides represented and have them agree on the methodology by which we'll do certain studies. One of the things that needs to be done, I think, to start this whole thing is the CDC sits on a database of 10 million people from HMOs all over the country. They have unvaccinated in their fully vaccinated. What we would like to do is see a body of scientists with George on one side and others all sit down and say, look it, there's some obvious things we would need to do on this study, like get rid of everybody that's born with a core uh, comorbid issue. And let's just go with the healthy children. And now let's track and let's look at it's a it's a retrospective study. So you have no ethical issue. Let's compare the health outcomes of fully vaccinated children against fully unvaccinated children. And let's see who's actually healthier, because every time that study has been done independently in the world, it's showing that the vaccinated are far less healthy. The most recent out of Mississippi found that the unvaccinated kids had higher rates of measles, higher rates of chickenpox, but that the vaccinated were four times more likely to have autism, 5.7 times more likely to have a neurological disorder, 30 times more likely to have allergic rhinitis, three times more likely to have anaphylactic food allergies. The list went on and on, but that's an independent study. This is what we're asking for, and it's really simple. One of the easy fixes, a couple of easy fixes, that is all I'm involved with. As I said, I'm not trying to eradicate vaccines from the program, but there are easy fixes. Number one, put liability back on the manufacturers of vaccines. If it is truly only a one in a million Absolutely. injury, I think they can afford it. Second, we want to create a national vaccine safety board with guys like George that are not sold either way, that are just good scientists. Let's pay them really well so they don't run off and work for Merck after they've done their work. We've done this multiple times. We did it with the National Transportation Safety Board. We did it with the Nuclear Regulatory Agency. Why? Because when we first started promoting travel on airplanes, those people that were promoting uh, airplanes were from Boeing. And then when there was a crash, Boeing would go and investigate the crash. We eventually said, you know, there's a lot of reports of pilot error. Maybe it's not a good idea to have the people invested in the outcome doing the research. That's the same problem as I pointed out. Too many conflicts of interest now with Health and Human Services defending this product in court, and they could lose trillions of dollars if it ends up proving that they're wrong. And they are not doing the science. CDC is promoting vaccines. They shouldn't be doing safety. We want a national vaccine safety board. Everybody in the country should want this, whether you're pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine or anything in between. We should know that independent science and real skepticism, real honest questions were put forward this on this vaccine program just like we do with car crashes. Do you want Ford investigating their own Ford cars and, their, and then telling you, right. hey, you got five stars yeah. on this crash? No. Oh. And so, George, 
I feel like this is a win, not because I've proven I'm right, but because you're with me. There's a way that science is done and it's not being done on vaccines. So I hope after this, you and I can get together and figure out how do we put that group of scientists together? Because it's really critically important when we have more babies dying on the first day of life in America than every other industrialized nation combined. More babies dying in the oh, first year. I want of to life touch on that. Actually, can we touch nation. on that, Dell? Because yeah. I think we can agree that the U.S. is, you know, supposed to have one of the pinnacle medical systems in the world, and and thirty seventh in infant mortality. Yeah, in the world. yeah. That's so. That's what yeah. I, that's what I want to touch on here because the U.S. Um, that we don't that Hep B one is kind of specific to the U.S. I think, right? So, yeah, I mean, so world, I, I think that's I'm sorry, one of them. Say that again. I, I, I didn't understand what you just said. So, sir. so that hepatitis B shot we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, you said that. That's important that a baby gets that in the first 12 hours of life for herd immunity. But, I mean, we don't get that in Canada. We don't get that in a lot of countries, and we, and we don't see giant hep B problems. But that aside, I mean, that right there, that there's this one shot that kids in the U.S. are getting within the first 12 hours of life that other kids aren't getting, and the U.S. has, I mean, I can't, I'm going to butcher the stat. Uh, Dell probably knows it, but it's something like the U.S. has more babies die on the first day of life than the next 30 industrialized countries combined. In fact, 50% more babies die than every other industrialized nation. Wow. 30 following combined. Um, these are the type mm. of stats. And so when, when someone will say to me, they don't have to do placebo studies because we've used vaccines so long, they've proven to be safe. Really? Because when we were getting 10 vaccines in the 1980s before we took liability away, we had a chronic illness rate in America's children of 12.8% of our children had a chronic illness. Neurological disorders and autoimmune disease end up making up the body of those. Now that we're giving 72 vaccines, there are, it's, it's now said by the CDC, 54% of America's children now have a chronic illness, either an autoimmune or a neurological disorder. Now, people say, you can't make causation. You're right. I can't make causation. I'm just saying that those things have grown together. But here's the problem. Don't tell me our kids are healthier, that your vaccine program makes children healthier when we have the sickest generation of children we've seen in this country. And we said it all the time on the doctors. We would say this is the first generation of children in America that will not live to be as old as their own parents. So I don't care if it's water, food, air, flowers, or vaccines, something's gone tragically wrong. And right. tell me you're right. refusing to look at the one product we're injecting into our children over and <clears throat> over and over again has nothing to do with it. You better show me some science. And they're not. They refuse to do it. Wow. Heavy stuff. I, I will, I, let me, can I just close with the, the, yeah, the final please. thought on this? I would, here, here's the thing, I would be able to create the, the statistical models. I, I'm a data scientist, and I'm able to study pathology. Here's what I, I think would further the ability to have a much better narrative, is if we said that, you know, whatever the compounds we're introducing, they are, and change the language, and I think you have a better argument, is saying, it's not that they're creating autism, but they're creating the ASD symptoms, because that right there says, okay, wait a second. If they are creating the ASD symptoms, let's focus on that. Let, let's say, you know, because one of the problems is no one has a cure. No one knows exactly what causes autism. And, and we don't, we don't have, we, we have a hypothesis. And the best one I've seen of any of them are the people with the genome project has, have basically said, we have a weakened 
second allele. Our generation does the 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 one today. We have a, a, a the, our second allele is weakened. Now, there's reasons for that. Whether it is pollutants in the air, pollutants in the water, um, the introduction of BPA plastics, which are, you know, which are detrimental to the the human ecosystem. Let's let's have that discussion and say here this is. If we're going to leave a future generation to be in charge, and we don't want them to, you know, um, to be sick, this is what we can do to prevent some of that. Because it, 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 what we can't do is we need to take the right and the left and get the crazies out of the way. I, I mean, seriously, the outliers, the people that are yeah. going to say on the left, you know, here um, I, I have some jasmine oil and some yeah. eucalyptus leaves, and this is going to cure everything. Take the people out on the right that basically um, are, you know, the FEMA camp crazies and say, okay, you guys shut up, go sit in the corner. Let's have a real discussion like we did today and say, okay, these are the things we can do to actually fix the problem. And if you're, if you're, your baby, your child, your young adult, or whatever you are, and say you're, you have these antibodies. We're not worried about you. We're worried about them. And those tests are, I think, that we can agree on. I think we agree on almost everything, George. <laughs> on is the science you're talking about. I just want the science done. I don't care if you call it autism. I don't care if you call it ASD. I don't care what you name it. I just want to see the science done. And what we've proven with our nonprofit is it's not being done. Science is not an assumption. It's not, it's, it's not a, you know, a sport of consensus. It's a sport of real science, of actually, you know, all good science should be able to stand up to skepticism. When you see the terror in this nation now, when you see the oppression of questions I mean, I think I've made all reasonable questions about the safety and the lack of science and the conflicts of interest. These are reasonable questions that should be allowed in the United States of America, and they should be allowed to be asked against any scientific body. And if they're going to stick with the theme that there is no questioning this science, it's settled. And I think you've already said, George, you don't agree that any science is settled. Is that right? No, I you've got to you you've got to give me the pathology. You got to give me the data sets. I I, I want to see the exact science. Amen. That, that, that's it, and that's the thing I've argued with Pat because if you're telling me it, it and I think part of the the problem is especially is if we get the the non. I, I want to get the conspiracy people out of the the debate, and I'm not talking about t- today, but I'm talking about Brenda. I'm talking about you know Mindy right, that lives right. in. in you know that you know the soccer mom stuff. I want them out of the debate. I if you sure. if you can't pass um, you know uh, a biology three hundred two exam, you don't you don't get to you don't get to talk. Well, you hopefully know? you guys in this conversation, hopefully you know it's resonated with a lot of people, and you guys have planted that seed to maybe link up after this. Who knows what could come? From I think that's very important that you guys link up. This is yeah. this is uh, very important actually. And, well, and, and and if you get those people out of the debate and you go to the scientists and say, listen. I want healthier kids. I mean, you know, like I said, and, you know, for example, Iowa, where Pat is home from, has lower cases of autism rates. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I'm where I, where I, Iowa has a, the, the lesser, lesser amounts of autism rates than some of the other states. Not all states are equal. So let's look at that. Let's do the data science. 
And, and, well, and like you said, the deeper, deeper studies obviously need to be done. And when, you know, you start linking up two brains like yours and assemble the right team, you know, and obviously we're obviously here to continue helping you guys spread this word. So I don't want to keep you guys too much longer. And I hope everybody again has really enjoyed this debate. I want to have part two and three of this because this is an sure, ongoing I'm, conversation. I'm open to this because this, I, this debate actually went a lot different than I was expecting it to, especially with that's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful I thing. Do, I, it went exactly as I expected. I, I expected two very intelligent men having a great discussion and, and bringing a lot of stuff, uh, shedding a lot of light on things and educating a massive amount of people. And and I'm very thankful that we were even able to get you two together. This has been an incredible experience for all of us, really, guys. And, and you know, big thanks to Dell, Big Tree, the host of the High Wire, an amazing guy who directed Vax. George, thank you so much, George Pardo. It's a very intelligent guy. And Certainly, we'll have you on on other subjects because of your intelligence. And Darren, with the Grimerica boys, have have uh, helped us a great deal in getting this out there. And of course, this conspiracy farm with Jeff and I. Uh, I think that we we want to shed light on this, and we want to be able to poke through and and get these shadow banning, uh, big government, you know, big social media giants off our back, so that we can actually discuss the truth. The American people deserve deserve. And that's I, I'm I've been more I'm more passionate about this than I was to win a world title in fighting. I can tell you that the truth is very important. Well, share this, ladies and gentlemen, share this, share this, share this, because the shadow banning and the censorship is absolutely real. And to both of your efforts, man, to continue uh, in providing truth to this conversation, which, you know, obviously is a very nuanced conversation. Again, like Pat said, thank you, Grand America Boys. You guys are awesome. And Darren, I appreciate this, you guys. And, and this debate from our side was brought to you by chemicalfreebody.com forward slash farmer go to go to chemicalfreebody.com if you want to flush out your system from all the toxins that were and that's ingesting. tim james who i've had him on my show who's a, a, and we've discussed science on it he's a very very knowledgeable science is, is very on point and and Del, like said earlier sponsors you want to mention sir no i don't use sponsors we do this all with people that stay behind the scenes i'm supported by entrepreneurs and celebrities and lawyers and doctors that simply believe in the transparency of science and that great, great science can stand up to skepticism, reasonable skepticism. That's what's happened here today. I want to thank all of you guys and George for stepping up and, and really bringing fascinating science. It's so awesome. I'm so, I mean, I hope that people out there get more of you to really hear someone talk about science. It's like, it, it's really fascinating and interesting and you have a wealth of knowledge. We are going to hook up after this because I think there's a lot Perfect. of we can do together. And of course, um, the only the last thing I would like to say is that today, uh, a few hours ago, three service members were killed in Afghanistan in a roadside bomb. Please, for those people that have family that are deployed, um, keep you know keep them in your prayers because they are doing a difficult job in adverse conditions. And uh, you know, for all our you know the the people that are deployed out there, uh, you know we uh, you have our full support. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And of course, the Grimerica show is brought to you by people just like you. We have no corporate sponsors, none of that, or we wouldn't be able to do this. Mm -hmm. So head over to grimerica.ca slash support today and uh, sign up and, and help us keep doing these things. We, I'm trying to get Peter Hotez to come on, but he's resisting. I'm hoping that... Uh, <laughs> get him, I want on. Yeah, I'm hoping, I'm hoping George's bravery will start something there, because I'll tell you what, you guys were very amicable with each other. We've got 34 
300 comments on the Facebook video. <laughs> and Beautiful. I mean, there was some, nice. there was some prickery in there, but for the most part, everyone was, was pretty nice. And, and we've got a th thousands of people watching live and, you know, they, they can try and silence us, but it's just not working. So I will say this before we go, if anyone does uh, have someone that they think we should have on for the next debate, uh, I'll host it again. And I'm sure Pat and Jeff will join us again and they can email us. Email me, Darren at GreyAmerica.com, uh, D-A-R-R-E-N at GreyAmerica.com, and we will we'll do another one of these. I mean, I seen Dell say on Highway the other day to line them up, so I'm going to do my best to line them up. <laughs> Beautiful this job. Awesome. Uh, awesome. Jeff, go ahead and close us out, buddy. No, that's it, man. Peace and so much love. United we stand, each one, teach one, ladies and gentlemen. Don't let fear control these kind of conversations, these open dialogues, these open exchange of ideas quite civilly as we saw tonight. Thank you guys so much. Peace and so much love, ladies and gentlemen. There will always be more. Ciao. See ya. Hey, man, I'm just going to say I'm, I'm live again on Periscope and Twitter. And we, we now all these guys, Del Big Tree, George Pardos, Darren, Jeffrey Wilson, we're, we're all confirming that we've been shadow banned from uh, even airing this debate on, on, on the most controversial topic, one of the most controversial topics of our time. And I tell you what, everybody out there, eventually they're going to come for you. Uh, because uh, you better speak up about about people being silenced. This shadow banning on and social share. media has got to stop. Share the share YouTube the video up there now. The debate and share the hell out of it. And take everybody. To the United States of America. We got to stand up like our founding fathers did and say we got to stand together, no matter our differences. This yeah. nation is founded on our ability to converse and have public discourse, to meet in public, to state our opinions, whether right or wrong.